0: Talk Sheen. Recorded live.
1: God bless everyone. Uh, peace and blessings to you, those of you who are joining with us on the uh, Truth Song Bible Study online. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we appreciate your support, and uh, we pray that something that will be said tonight will be a blessing to you, that you will be empowered, inspired, encouraged, and uh, empowered uh, by the Word of God on tonight. Let's pray, Father, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy, who you are to us. Thank you for your protection, all your provisions. And as we go into your word now, we ask that you open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, our minds to comprehend, and our hearts to receive what it is that your Spirit is saying unto us, your church. We ask this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. Um, Once again, thank you. And. Uh, let me say from the onset, outset uh, today, and we'll say it again at the end of this, uh, this session, uh, this Saturday, um, the 14th, March 14th, a Tucson ministry will be launching uh, the first of its uh, Sabbath services uh, called Sabbath 1.5, and uh, that will be held on, on Saturday morning from eleven to 1230, unless the Spirit of God says, says otherwise. Um uh, Address will be at 108 Clement Street, in South Carolina. That's the uh, home of True Faith Fellowship. Um, so we'll be there Saturday morning, at 11 o'clock, for our Sabbath services. Real excited about it. Um, I believe the Lord is, is going to do something special through that uh, particular uh, meeting. Um, it's, it's a time of worship, uh, reflection, um, intimate, personal, and corporate worship, praise, prayer. And of course, we will share something from the word something practical that you can use to be inspired and challenged by so we're excited about it uh if you're in the forest area, please come uh to uh our sabbath service sabbath worship service, and we'll say something about it again at the end of of this uh this lesson tonight. We're going to start um, something that uh, kind of fell in my heart this morning and uh that's what we're going to share this morning about basically Jesus uh, saves. Jesus saves and no one else. Jesus saves. Um, and uh, once I start, you'll kind of feel where, where,
2: where I'm going with that. Um, Here's what I posted this morning on one of the social media sites. I'll, I'll just start with that. I'll read that. It seems that many people in Christianity in
1: Christendom would rather quickly cite their church denominations, their church organizations, that talk with their doctrine, uh, or some feat of faith as a source of their salvation. But ladies and gentlemen, Jesus Christ is the author and finisher of our faith and salvation. And say so, yeah, again, Jesus Christ is the author and finisher of our faith and salvation. It's not in water. Salvation is not in water. Salvation is not in the tarrying room. Salvation is not in the morning's bench. It's in Jesus. Salvation is not in the Pope, the Bishop, the Prophet, the Apostle, or any other ecclesiastical title. Salvation is in Jesus alone. Salvation is not in just a single verse of Scripture. Salvation is in Jesus. Acts chapter 4 and 12 says, neither is there salvation in any other or no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And we know that name is Jesus. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Jesus Christ is our salvation. We are in the season of what some call Lent, those of you who observe that. um, And it moves toward, of course, the uh, celebration of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And um, so we even take it further into the, the celebration of Pentecost. So we're in the season that a lot of emphasis is going to be on the work of, or the, should be, on the finished work of Jesus Christ. And I just want to underscore and highlight that our salvation is in Jesus. Now, I, I must say the tone that I may use tonight will be maybe a little more assertive or aggressive um, because as I deal with uh, my Christian brothers and sisters, those who I, I'm connected with, uh, I'm often amazed at how quickly we can push Jesus to the side. And even though we know in our theology or the scripture says that uh, we know that we are not saved by works, but far too many times we depend on our works in order to be saved. So we start start taking the emphasis from Jesus and placing it on works or placing it in some other individual Um we're, we're in a body of Christ, not, we're in a time, rather, in church history that we're, we're focusing on making sure we're connected to the right people, and that's important, but, but your connection of people is not in your, it, it, that's not where your salvation is, okay? Those connections of people is for your own growth of maturity in the things of God, but again, your salvation comes from Jesus and Jesus alone. I'm stressing that because we can get caught up in so many systems and fads, that we begin to place unnecessary power and influence in some of those things. And some of us fall guilty of some of those things. We begin to think that our salvation is in the church that we go to.
2: We really start
1: thinking our salvation is in how much we pray fast and all kinds of other stuff. We really start thinking that we can kind of do something to secure our salvation. And ladies and gentlemen, you can't. Jesus Christ has already done everything. He finished the work. And again, even though we know that theoretically or theologically, sometimes when we begin to act and behave, uh, leads us to to uh, to do some some crazy things. All right. So don't be guilty of plagiarism. Plagiarism, you know, is the use of another person's work without acknowledging the source. And too many people are uh, claiming their own feet, uh, what they've done, who they're connected to as the reason why they're saved. Again, ladies and gentlemen, Jesus Christ is the reason why they're saved. Now, I'm going to say some things that uh, some of you might not swallow real good today, this, um, this evening, but you'll be okay. Follow me in Scripture, and I think you'll be okay. Matthew 121 says, "Neither uh, excuse me, this says, Thou shalt call his name Jesus. He shall save his people from their sins. Thou shalt call his name Jesus. He, Jesus, shall save his people from their sins, not anyone else, not any other system uh not any other uh, body of leaders or leadership style, nothing of the sort He the responsibility of our salvation rests on Jesus and Jesus alone. I'm not going to say that again. the responsibility of your and my salvation. Rest on Jesus and Jesus alone, no one else. And he doesn't need any help. Unlike the Mormons say that somehow the apostles got it wrong and the church now is apostate, so now he had to establish something else. No, there's not another way. who says there's no more sacrifice to sin There's nothing else left to do to secure our salvation that Jesus Christ hasn't already done. You need to be able to depend on, on what Jesus Christ did and no one else. I'm stressing that, and uh, you'll see why. You'll see why. Um, now, Roman Catholicism, that system believes that you cannot be saved without uh, the influence or without being in the Roman Catholic Church. Matter of fact, uh, the Pope said something to that effect um, recently, some months ago, that. Uh, Salvation is, is within the Roman Catholic Church, and those outside of it are not saved. Well, we don't believe that, of course. We don't believe that um, salvation is in Jesus. However, I will say we shouldn't just criticize Roman Catholicism for saying that because some of us believe the same thing about our reformations, organizations, or denominations. We talk to some of our brothers and sisters, they really believe God help us, and I used to be one of them. I was a great component that outside of my organization, outside of my denomination where I was from, grew up in, that there was no salvation outside of that. I was taught it was the, the The tone may have changed. I've not been a part of that organization for several, several years now, um, uh, so the tone may have changed. But, but during the time I was being formed and come up, they taught us that salvation was no one was teaching the truth like like they were. They had the truth. They were holding fast to the apostles' doctrine, the apostolic doctrine. And there was no not, no salvation outside of what they were teaching. Okay? And some of y'all know people the same way. Some of you may be part of Revelation that still say that same thing. Why I'm, I'm saying that, I'm saying that, uh, ladies and gentlemen, is because whenever you start picking on that tone, you're taking responsibility away from Jesus, and now you're putting it on your understanding of what it is that you're doing and saying, rather than what Jesus has done. You understand what I'm saying? Um, so, yes, yeah, doctrine is important. Teaching is important. Uh, teaching that which is right. Teaching that which the scriptures are, are saying, line up and line, precept upon precept. That is important. What I'm saying Far too many people have added their own opinions in that and called it something else, saying it's apostolic doctrine, saying it's Pentecostal doctrine, saying this is what we Baptists believe or Methodists believe or whatever else reformation that you're from. Uh, and so whenever we start doing that, you are taking the work away from Jesus and you
2: you inserting your own self in there, and we can't do that. Salvation is in Jesus and Jesus alone. Okay. And I've even been a part of her things. for instance. Um, I,
1: I know Pentecostal Apostolic history pretty pretty good. Uh not as well as some, but that's where I grew up in. And so I've even known brothers to even criticize where they come from. They criticize their heritage, their forefathers, because um, they feel that they've evolved into some greater truth, while their forefathers didn't. So their forefathers now are lost because they didn't evolve. Seriously i serious. I can name names that uh, some of you will know. Um, well, I will do for the sake of history, since some of these historical figures you would know, and I'm specifically talking about, let's just take the uh, Luther Street revival, Parham uh, and, and Seymour, of course, being the heads of that, uh, Seymour rather, and um, those reformations that came out of that, those Pentecostal movements that came out of that, uh, and then later, the apostolic movement that came out of that, Bishop GT Haywood, who who came out of that, uh, sometimes those type of brothers begin to criticize where they come from. Now, of course, there's going to there're going to be differences uh, in, in in some things, semantics or whatever. But how can you criticize where you come from if God used that to bring you? And now you're criticizing that and saying you have a greater truth, and the persons. I mean, just think about it. You received the baptism of the Holy Ghost in this setting, and now that God has given you a revelation, and we're going to get to that in a little bit, uh, about a specific thing, now you're going to discount everything you experienced because of this one. No, you, we can't do that. Let me go. Let me press it a little further. I just right, my dad. My dad uh, also probably says he has a Baptist background. He grew up in the Baptist church. as his family church. Uh, a Baptist church in, in this PD region, and uh, but he came into the Apostolic Church when he was about 15 years old, and of course, being indoctrinated the way they was doing it back then, had to denounce all of the churches, all of the movements. You could not even acknowledge what you pretty much got from other movements because what they had was the truth. The Apostolic doctrine was the doctrine no other. Way was right, so you can't even say I got saved in the doctrine.
2: That that can't even resonate with some denominational books. I'm, I'm being very truthful, and so whenever we get into that, it's actually a form of pride and arrogance.
1: All right, and to say Jesus, uh, the gospel can't be preached within the walls of a certain reformation—that's ignorance, ladies and gentlemen. Total ignorance. And even to this day, I'm still surprised that some people still carry on this type of rhetoric. You know, they're still pushing that uh, they're not preaching no truth over there. How you know, you don't know, you don't hear uh, what they're preaching. And I have been surprised in my lifetime to know because I'm I'm telling you I was about grown, if not grown, way above 20. Before I began to realize, wow, these people really are teaching the truth. Because again, I come up in an era we couldn't even really go fellowship with other churches outside of where I was. And so I'm thinking about one Baptist church in uh, in, in Columbia uh, to find out that they were preaching what we thought was apostolic doctrine because somehow we thought that we had a uh, mono- uh, monopoly on truth, I guess. So to find out this man was preaching
2: exactly what our business was preaching, I was completely blown away. All right, let me get into some other stuff. All right, listen, here's where we get into some trouble. It is dangerous to exalt a
1: revelation above Jesus Christ. Just because something is revealed to you in Scripture through your study, you cannot exalt that above the revelation of Jesus Christ, who he is and what he's done. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the truth. Everything else you learn is a truth. He is the truth. I hope I'm, I'm making that plain. He is the truth. Okay? And here's something else we we, uh, uh, we use. You cannot remove a text out of context. Sometimes to stress what we believe, to stress what our church is doing, to stress our doctrine, we gather a couple of scriptures, sometimes, many of them out of context, and almost isolate them from the rest of scripture. And we focus in on this verse and this verse alone. Okay, back to my just using my own experiences. Okay, I come up in, as you know, that's our solid church. And, and our scripture is Acts 2.38. Our premise is Acts 2.38. We believe that's the starting point. I mean, That's the starting and ending point, Acts 2.38. And I believe many of us have taken that scripture and isolated it from the rest of the Bible, and and you can't do that. Okay? We even had a, a, a campaign where we used to buy these stickers, red and white stickers, and put them on the back of our cars.
2: Obey Acts 2.38. And we should obey Acts 2.38. All right? But we should obey all those scriptures.
1: There are other scriptures in the Bible that we should also obey. You should obey Exodus chapter 20. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not bear false witnesses. You need to do all of that, all of thy father, you need to obey those too. But we wouldn't go around um, uh, buying stickers that say obey the Ten Commandments. No, obey Acts hey,
2: 2. That
1: was it. You cannot isolate a
2: single text from the rest of Scripture. It confuses people. I hope I'm making sense. And we know the scripture that, that Paul tells Timothy
1: in Second Timothy chapter two, verse fifteen, Status show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Rightly dividing the word of truth. In the New Living Translation, that that phrase is correctly explaining. The word correctly explaining the word of truth. Don't tilt a definition or don't tilt uh, an exposition of scripture to support what you and your Reformation is doing. That's one thing I have against the Jehovah Witnesses. They have just rewritten the whole Bible to have their own translation of the scripture to support what they believe. And many times a lot of our preachers are guilty of that. A lot of preachers are guilty of that. They would tilt the scripture to make it say what they want it to say. Example, the scripture that says money answers all things. You know, there's a front part to that scripture. Yeah, that's not the old words of scripture. But sometimes they, they would use that to push a certain agenda. You understand what I'm saying? And so Paul is instructing Timothy that you need to be able to explain the word of God plainly. The English Standard Version says rightly handling the word of truth. Wow not just explaining the Bible, but rightly handling the word of truth. You know, there's a lot of people who are manipulative with their gift of preaching, okay? They have a great gift of articulation, and they use that to their advantage. But Paul is telling Timothy, you need to be able to rightly handle the word of truth, okay? Say what it means and say it in the spirit of how it's written. That's rightly handling
2: the word of truth.
1: And in the Message Bible, it says uh, laying out the truth plain and simple. Okay? Just, that's why I, I really believe we need to get back to more uh, expository type of teaching and preaching, actually, because sometimes we get into our own and we're trying to basically embellish or fluff our own ideologies, and we're using Scripture to fluff our own ideology. We can't do that. We need to be able to explain the text. Find out what it means, find out what it says, it's plain and simple, and when it makes simple sense, that's enough. listen, there's no one who loves deep things as this, but oh my, I love the deep, abstract things. I mean anybody can have a conversation me you know, i wow I, that's that's why I love to hang out, but I begin to understand I mean listen, you don't have to have anything so so profound. Just seek the simple sense of Scripture, and you'll find that there's so much power in just the simple sense of Scripture. And so we really need to understand what this, this, this text is saying, uh, rightly dividing the word of truth. Because some of us, we do read the Bible. We study the Bible, you know, and we
2: study to preach.
1: But we want our priests to stand out as some deep mystical thing rather than really rightly dividing uh, the word of truth. I hope I'm making some sense right there. And again, the reason why I'm saying that because too many people are placing their salvation in other things, other people, other systems. But again, our salvation is in Jesus Christ alone. He doesn't need any help. He doesn't need any help.
2: Now, since I brought all that up in some other
1: history things, and we do know there's so many uh, denominations within the Christian faith
2: um,
1: that it can be confusing, or it is confusing to so many people as to who's right, why are there so Why are so many people saying so many different things? And it is a valid question. Don't ever let someone tell you that it's not a valid question. We should be concerned about all of the divisions and, and, and factions and fractions uh, that's out there. Uh, but again, ladies and gentlemen, there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And uh, we do need to write anybody the truth. But everybody, we're not as divided as the enemy would will, will, will like us to think we are. I'll say that again. We're not as divided as the enemy uh, would like us to think that we are. And I believe that what the church needs uh, to continue to, to do is to find out our commonality. Let's strengthen our commonality and let's come together and reason among our differences. Find out why do we view this passage of scripture different? Do we view it different or is it a matter of, of semantics? Are we just saying different things? Okay. Or in a different way, saying the same thing in a different way, I should, I should say. Now, just a little bit of church history um, the rest of the time we have. Um, first of all, we do know, you know, the, the church was inaugurated, many people like to say, the day of Pentecost, around 8033, 33, 80, 30, 33 um, some even say 8037, um, the day of Pentecost, which was a Jewish holiday, Christianity as, it's, as it is, grew out of, or was launched out of predominantly uh, the Jewish system, Judaism, or the religion of, of the people of Israel. There is a distinction, but we must recognize that it grew up out of that, and the first Christians were Jewish. Okay, we have to acknowledge that because a lot of the identity of Christianity do come from the Jewish people, so we must make that distinction, all right, and we must um, make sure we know that. But um, early in the first century, just as Jesus prophesied, it would, that Jerusalem was destroyed, the temple was destroyed. And actually, that was strategic. That began to happen actually decades, uh, centuries before. But remember when Jesus died, after the perfect sacrifice, and again, we're talking about Jesus' salvation, after he, the perfect sacrifice, after he laid out his life, then what immediately happened, the Bible said, was that the veil was rent from top to bottom. That was God doing that. What was God saying? God was saying that since the perfect sacrifice was offered. There is no more need for any sacrifice. And so, look at the language of Scripture. The veil of the temple is rent not from bottom up, from top down. In other words, from heaven all over the earth, God was saying I'm through with this. I don't need any more sacrifice of bulls, pigeons of goats, of rams, of lambs. I don't need any of that. In fact, I don't need I don't need uh, the ironic priesthood. Anymore. I don't need this whole system. I don't need it anymore. Okay, the great high priest, Jesus Christ, has offered up himself as the perfect lamb of God. There's no more sacrifice needed, so God himself dismantled the system of Judaism. And, you know, the system of Judaism uh, centered around the temple. And so that's what he destroyed first. That's why he said, "Not one stone be left upon another." He's through with that system. He is through with it. I don't want to get excited, but I am. Oh my, the perfect sacrifice when Jesus uh, did what He did on the cross, He gave His life. He was the perfect sacrifice. So therefore, we do not have to erect the old order. We do not have to go back and try to reestablish the system, the old covenant that was abolished. We don't have to do that. All right, I'm trying to give you church history a little bit, okay? And so since it was destroyed, the whole system of that type of religion, that, that Jewish religion was dismantled because the temple is now destroyed. All right? And, and, and of course, the Holy Ghost uh, descended. And the emphasis of the church was now not on Jewish worship. But now you had the church being ex- experiencing explosive growth through Gentiles. And so the Gentile mission, they were not bothered. And, did, you know, they, were not, they weren't Jews. They never was a part of, of that Jewish system, the temple and all that. So they didn't need the, the temple and the synagogue and all that, the quote, unquote, half church, grow church. They had another mindset. And so the church just exploded in growth. All right? Okay? Which led into the apostolic uh, church era. Um, and there's some features of the apostolic church area or the early church. Um, what constitutes the early church or apostolic church, I'm using the apostolic historically, biblically, not denominationally now. You know that. Um, they experienced miraculous works during that time. During that time, of course, under Apostle Paul, Jews and Gentiles were united in the saving purposes of God. They were uh, united in the saving purposes of God, all right? Uh, What else? There was one universal church in local settings. One universal church. They had the understanding that there was one church. Remember when Jesus told them in Acts chapter one, he says, says, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. That happened exactly in the sequence, he said, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, utmost parts of the earth. But something that the early church had that we don't necessarily have to the degree that they did was a sense of unity. They understood that there was one church, although we're in different locations, miles apart, in different cities. Jews here, Gentiles here. They understood that there's only one church. We have a hard time understanding that. First Corinthians chapter one. Paul deals with that very strongly. But let's go to there, go there real quickly. Um looks like I have a little more time than what I think, so let me slow down a little bit. First Corinthians chapter one. This is of course he's dealing with the church at Corinth, which was just gifted church, but they had issues. Gifted, but you know, they was they was uh not organized.
2: Listen to what he says. He says here Verse 10, now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same
1: thing, that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it hath been declared unto me of my brethren by which are the are of the house of glory that there are contingents among you. Now this I say that every one of you saying, I am of Paul, I am of Apollos, I of Cephas, and I of Christ. In our terminology today, we will say, I'm Baptist, I'm Methodist, I'm Apostolic, I'm Presbyterian, I'm AME Zion, I'm Pentecostal, I'm charismatic, I'm word of faith, and the list goes on and on and on. But is what Paul says. He says, Christ divided? He, he's making
2: saying, this is ridiculous. How y'all got all these factors and divisions? Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? But I'm a to follow Paul. Was Paul crucified
1: for you? Was Peter crucified for you? Was John Williams crucified for you? You Baptist folk. Was John and Charles Wesley crucified for you? You Methodist folk. Was Richard Allen uh, crucified for you? A and uh, was, was, was Was G.T. Haywood crucified for you? I've been across the Assemblies of the World. Was Bishop was, was, uh, uh, Lawson crucified for you, church of my Lord Jesus Christ? And it goes on and on and on. Was uh, uh, Charles Mason crucified for you, church of God in Christ? That's what he's saying. He said, oh, Lord, y'all don't like nothing here tonight. That's all right. All right. This is exactly the same thing Paul is dealing with, and we have that same divisive
2: spirit working in the church today. Same spirit. Okay. Some of y'all are so brand new that
1: y'all don't look at nobody history. Y'all are so grand and wonderful. God came to you himself, and you start your whole your whole thing. Your name can go here too. You weren't crucified. The only way you can have your church die, get your own self up three days later. Then you got a right to establish your own church. Up to then Jesus said upon this rock, I will build my church.
2: Y'all alright? Well I'm talking to y'all like y'all are in here. All right. So Paul dealt strongly with this spirit of division
1: that was in the church then. So we've got to come against that same spirit of division now. And and, and sometimes people, and hear what some pious preachers will say. We'll get up there and say, oh, we need to come together. But we will, that's good preaching, but I have not uh, really seen very many act on that. And the reason being, let's just be honest, they, they are afraid to lose influence on their
2: quote-unquote, their people, their church. Yes, they are. So they'll tell you don't go over there. Why? And then we have this
1: thing. Um, they them you go over there and catch a spirit. <sighs> Let me tell somebody something about that. You go on his place and catch a spirit. All right, you work with heathens every day. You send your children to school with heathens every day. You shop at the mall with heathens. You, know, you go to the restaurant with heathens. And I don't hear nobody saying you go over to catch a spirit if you go eat at Ryan. Do you say that? Do you say you're gonna go catch a spirit if you go down the road? No, you don't say that. You only reserve that for the house of the Lord.
2: That's foolishness.
1: I'll say it again, since y'all didn't like it. That's foolishness.
2: Total foolishness. All right, let's just look at the church history. All right, I don't have time to really go in depth out of out of out of all of it. Um. And then we have uh, the era of church fathers, and you have some reformations that still hold to what the church fathers believed 500
1: years ago, which is fine. A lot of those brothers, they had a lifetime of study uh, that I don't hardly see anybody have the way that they had. Um, but the Holy Spirit is fresh, and he gives us fresh insight of the scriptures. So if we never study the what's called the church fathers, the Holy Spirit still can give us fresh insight, true insight, because it is he who is the spirit of truth, not the church father. Okay. I'm not criticizing them because I read them uh, myself. I just downloaded another book by St. Uh, Thomas uh, Aquinas, which is Love is mind, absolutely Love is Mine. Um, and I even have a list here of some of those uh, apologetical uh, church fathers that we mostly pull on. Um but I'm not gonna get all uh, into that that in depth tonight. Um, and of course, we understand during that time the church did come through some major heresies also. Um, and without getting into every single one, and even today there are heresies within the body of Christ. The main thing that you can detect where what is heresy: find out what they say about Jesus Christ. Find out what they say about Jesus Christ. That is the litmus test to any faith system, any religion. What do they say about Jesus Christ? That's how you really can detect if it's cold or untrue or whatever. Do they say Jesus Christ was just a man? Uh, do they say he was not a man at all? Do they say that he was just a prophet? Or do they say he just altogether didn't exist? We have those out there also. And believe it or not, so of these that same roots were, were found in the early church. They're still here today. Um, and the litmus test is what do they say about Jesus Christ? Do they believe that Jesus, salvation, uh, like our scripture was in, in Acts chapter 4, do they believe that there's another way to be saved than Jesus Christ, like the Mormons do? Okay, like the, uh, the, uh, other uh, Christian cults think he have to do something else, adopt some other system? No. Salvation is in Jesus alone. Salvation is not in Muhammad. It's in Jesus. Okay. hope I'm making sense because what I'm trying to deal with is the fact that, of course, Jesus is our salvation. Our trust should be in him, and nothing else really matters. Even within the Christian faith, so to speak. Okay, you have people now uh, that believe salvation is in the type of money they give. So we'll preach a message and we'll tag a little offering and a amount to it. Say so if you give this, God is gonna save you and your household. You give this offering, your household gonna be saved. But that's not what the Bible says. You give an offering and your household shall be saved. In Acts chapter nineteen, is it? Or Acts chapter sixteen? Uh, when when the man came trembling, let's read it. So y'all don't think I'm making this stuff up. Acts chapter uh, what did I say sixteen. This is when. At midnight, Paul and Silas came, you know, prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Let's go to uh, verse 28, Acts 16, verse 28. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light. Uh, He called for a light and sprang in and came trembling, fell down before Paul and Silas. And brought them out and said, sirs, listen to his question. What must I do to be saved? His question is, what must I do to be saved? Okay? Then they said, Paul and Silas said, believe on the Lord Jesus
2: Christ and thou shalt be saved and your are out. Verse 31. They said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved, and the house.
1: Okay? I don't see believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and give an offering of fifty-eight dollars and fifty eight cents. I mean, it could be in your Bible, but it's it's, it's not in my Bible. Alright. I have nothing against giving money. Money is needed. Okay, God don't need our money. Men need me, we need money. All right, it is right to give money and all that stuff. But we can't equate and, and add all this stuff and say this is what makes us saved because it's not. Salvation is in Jesus Christ. He said believe on the Lord, Jesus Christ. Believe on the Lord, Jesus Christ. That's how you're saved. Believe on the Lord, Jesus Christ. Thou shalt be saved in thy house. Let's go on. And they speak unto him the word of the Lord, verse 32, and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the
2: night and washed their stripes, and he was baptized, he and all, his. Okay? I'm trying to be biblical. I hope you understand what we're trying to do. Um, and just let me talk about that. Because, again, sometimes I think we overemphasize things. Basically, that's uh,
1: like water baptism. Water baptism is essential because God said it was essential. The Bible says it's essential. But water in itself does not equate salvation. Should you be baptized? Yes, because the scripture says so. He that believeth and is baptized, Mark 16, shall be saved. He that believeth and is baptized, shall be saved. So it is essential. But you just popping up and and, and want to look somebody up under water, that in itself doesn't mean they're saved. Okay this is going to be a little uh, you know push back here, okay our acts
2: two thirty eight scripture, to repent every one of you and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ okay that's not the gospel the no, gospel so go here acts two thirty eight is not the gospel. Don't sign off yet. Let me get to the scripture first. All right? Let me explain what's that. Okay? To get to the gospel, you need to back up two verses. The
1: gospel is Acts 2.36. You want to be technical. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same
2: Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, that's the gospel ladies and gentlemen. And the Bible says, verse 37, and when they heard that, when they heard this,
1: heard what? That the same Jesus whom you crucified, God raised him up from the dead, made him both Lord and Christ. When he heard that, something happened in the heart pricks, they were changed, they were convicted in their hearts. Why? Because they just heard the gospel. And now they want to respond to the gospel. Men and brethren, what shall we do? In response to the truth that we just heard. In response to the truth that Jesus Christ died, was buried, and rose again and is Lord in
2: Christ. Okay, we need to respond to this truth. What shall we do? That's when
0: they
1: said, repent. Hmm? Don't look at me in that tone of voice. That's when they said, repent and be baptized, everyone,
2: in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes we get the cart before the horse. Okay. Let's deal with some other salvation scriptures since we're there. Because I've, I've heard some stuff in my day, later than uh,
1: Let's go to Romans. A lot of get saved by Romans. Um, And where I come from, we just didn't like that. Let's look at what the Bible says. In Romans chapter 10, I'm still in the KJV, King James Version of the Bible, 1611 edition. Okay, Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy heart, excuse me, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, Okay, remember Acts 2.36, that that same Jesus whom you crucified, killed, the Lord has raised him up, made him both Lord and Christ. Remember that scripture? Remember those words? Same Jesus, you crucified, you killed God, raised him up, made him both Lord. Okay, let's look at this verse again. Romans 10.9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in your heart that God hath, raise him from the dead. Sound like the same gospel. Thou shalt be saved. Again, our salvation is in Jesus, not what folks say. It's in Jesus. And this is what these people are preaching. They're preaching Jesus. As a matter of fact, if you go back to Romans, excuse me, Acts chapter 2 and read the whole chapter, Peter is doing some marvelous preaching about Jesus. Starts from Abraham. Talks about Moses. Talk about what David in the Psalms, said about Jesus. Bring it all the way up until the climactic point of of verse 36. He's preaching about Jesus. And this is what Romans 10 and nine said, that if you believe in Jesus, that he died, buried,
2: and was raised from the dead and is Lord. That's how we're saying, ladies and gentlemen, not in some other dogma. I'm being biblical because I have heard folks say "Full the type of places I've been raised
1: that you can't be saved that way. You got folks saying all you gotta do is confess with your mouth and believe your heart and thou shall be saved." All don't say that well the Bible does say this in Romans. Chapter ten verse nine is right there. Now there is more to it after you are saved, there's a responsibility of the believer, like baptism. Because all through scripture baptism seems to have been a response to truth. A response to walking in something new. All right? Because so we should be baptized. I know what Peter said. Baptism does. It does not also save us. It doesn't put away the foot of the flesh. It is an answer toward a good conscience toward God. Okay? I'll get that scripture in, in just a moment because I didn't intend to go this deep into it. But I'm saying that the same because you, you will have folk to criticize other denominations who may stress Romans 10 and 9 uh, because all we was trying to do when I was coming up, we were just trying to get folk in water. You know, we didn't care, but just dump them in the water. They ain't had to say one word. Does anybody want to be baptized? If they come up and be baptized, we clap our hands a little bit and get them dressed real quick, dump them in the water, and I have seen it, I have seen it, I have seen it. We never asked them for a confession of faith. faith. Some of them never was asked, do you believe in Jesus Christ? They would never asked that. They were just taken on authority that's sitting in my man and God. I now baptize you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's it. Some of these folks, we don't know if they're saved or not. We just dump them in the wall. Because without conviction of your sin and without conviction of who God is, who Jesus is, if you don't believe that Jesus is and that he did die and was raised and is now Lord in Christ, if you don't believe that,
2: you're not saved. I don't care how many folk baptize you. I don't care if G.T. Haywood himself baptize you. You ain't saved. These folks don't like it. But, uh, shoot, just my say. It. So we need to be careful not to be adding things to Scripture and
1: adding criteria to salvation. Salvation is in Jesus alone. I can't say that enough. Salvation is in Jesus alone. And if you don't accept that, if your salvation is outside of any other source, you have to question your salvation. It's in Jesus. Okay, I'm not taking baptism only for God. I was baptized, eight years old, in the name, Yes. Absolutely. When I administer baptism, I administer water baptism by immersion in the name. That's scriptural. But what I am saying, I'm just trying to add line upon line, precept upon precept. You can't rip a page out the Bible because of what your bishop said or what your pastor said, and so you're going to discredit what the Bible says. Okay. Okay. Well, let's talk about the other scripture. Matthew 28. God help me. Help them. Matthew 28.
2: Jesus himself, is speaking after he administers what's called the Great Commission, uh, going to all the world. Teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, baptizing them in,
1: in red letter edition, 6 and 11 edition of the scriptures, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Okay? Just right there. Okay? So, is Jesus giving us a code that we have to crack in Acts? No, he doesn't work that way. I'm, a, I'm just going to give them a code and see if they're going to crack it. That's not how he works, ladies and gentlemen. That is not how he works. Okay? If he, he clearly said in the name, singular of the father, of the son, and the Holy Ghost, I'm just going to see if they're going to get that name right. I ain't going to give them a name now. Come on now, he doesn't work that way. He doesn't work that way. That's so what I would say. I don't care who pulls this. I'd never get invited back. I don't care. This is truth zone, all right? Uh, 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 baptism in the name of the Father
2: and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost can only be baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. It's the same thing. I don't care what nobody says. If you're believing in the same Jesus, same Lord,
1: I've heard folks say some crazy stuff, y'all, on both sides. Uh, I've heard folks say that those who baptize in the name of of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, they're being baptized in, in the devil. I heard that. I heard that. They're being baptized in paganism. They're being baptized in in uh, three gods. That's not what that scripture says. Okay? And I heard folks oh, say that, that, that I mean, they just think you ain't seen. if you If you baptize in that Jesus name, oh, you crazy. No, no, you got baptized under a cult. I heard that too. Both of us got a problem because, you again, you have to rightly divide the Scriptures. You have to rightly handle the Word of God. You have to explain the Word of God correctly. And for those of you who explain the Word of God, are those who baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son, and for you to say that's wrong, you're not explaining the Scriptures right. Lord, I may have to go in and turn in my license. You have to explain it right. And if you explain it right, you do know the name is Jesus. And if you explain it right, you will have a problem if they say, in the name of the Father, because that's what the Scripture says. How are you going to devalue Scripture?
2: You can't devalue, especially what Jesus said. How are you going to do that?
1: See, so I told you earlier I made be get a little passionate and, and aggressive with that. But, uh, you, know, I, I'm, you know, I'm just kind of tired of people sending other saints to hell. Because we've got to find some way to unite. And, 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 and I mean, come on. Some of these things are just ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. Uh, you know, and I didn't mean to get all into that. But it, it needs to be said. And so we're going around thinking that one of the system is going to hell. They love God, love people, doing the work of ministry, but going to hell because they ain't baptized. And we think God be baptized.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, please. And then notice and what Paul says in First Corinthians chapter one. He said, "I'm glad
1: I ain't baptized none of y'all." Now this is a Paul for himself saying, "I'm glad I didn't baptize none of you, because God didn't call me to baptize."
2: what you say, Paul? No, Paul said my calling ain't to get baptized. Okay, y'all looking at me crazy. Let me get that scripture real quick, cause
1: y'all go in and say, "Brother Black is is crazy." I do it. About to go there and start them services over there for us. And he crazy. Bishop, they need to go set them down. I hear you talking. So let me see the Bible. Go back to First Corinthians chapter 1. I hope
2: I can find it quick. First Corinthians chapter 1. Okay. Verse 14. I thank God that I baptized. None of you, except Crispus and Gaius, First Corinthians chapter one. Again, let's read verse thirteen. Christ divided. Was Paul crucified for you? Were
1: you baptized in the name of Paul? I think God I ain't baptized none of y'all, except two of them. Let any of you should say I baptized in my own name, verse sixteen. And I also baptized a few more, Stephanas. Besides that, I ain't baptized in nobody. For Christ, verse 17, 1 Corinthians 1, 17, for Christ sent me not to
2: baptize, but to preach the gospel. I didn't make it up. Paul says, God didn't send me Christ, didn't sent me to baptize. He sent me to preach the truth,
1: preach the gospel. And if you respond rightfully to the gospel, you'll seek baptism. But, you know, that's not my calling. I want to cut out this bold. I'm trying to be myself and not be so concerned about getting folk baptized but preaching the gospel to them, preaching the truth to them. Okay, Make, well, all the apostles don't go the blacks so you can't do it. Okay, I ain't going to bother y'all today about that. Listen, my time is out. Um, I hope something was said that was challenging to you. I kind of knew it was going to be a little challenging and maybe it came come a little strong. But listen, ladies and gentlemen, some of this mess has got to stop okay, there's too much to do. We are living in a way different world than it was 50 years ago. I mean, things things are changing at a rapid pace. Um, We're moving out of a Christian era into what's called a post-Christian era. That is so significant. That means most of the people that we live around don't know of the gospel of Jesus Christ, don't know truth. We're involved in a world that are full of other ideologies rather than a Judeo-Christian these are things that we're, we're having to combat. And some of this foolishness, we spend good preacher time fighting against one another. You know, we, we waste good oil, good anointing, throwing shade off the pulpit and on radio broadcasts and all that. That stuff just got to stop, y'all. Okay? It's, uh it, it, it just got to stop. Okay? I don't know what happened. It looks like my uh, online stuff just went out. Hopefully, you're still on the phone. But uh looks like uh some other stuff just stopped. But uh either way, we'll fix it. We'll say it again if we have to. God bless you. Thank you so much. Uh more about the service Saturday, the fourteenth, March fourteenth, eleven o'clock, our Sabbath service. Uh and don't let well, Sabbath service, what is it? Sabbath service sat sa- uh service on a Saturday. And uh we're just gonna worship God in simplicity and in truth in spirit and in truth and um, invite somebody if you're in the Florence area uh, tell them about it we're at 1008 Clement Street it's in West Florence Fort South Carolina it's a home of true faith where they worship so we'll we'll be there in Jesus name listen thank you so much for joining us Uh, if I need to uh, clarify something email me Facebook me Twitter do something let me know Uh, call me and uh, we'll uh, We'll we'll try to explain or re-explain what we said. We'll be rolling out a website very very soon. Excited about it. It talks about so much God is doing. Uh, we are going to move forward with this music thing. We've been talking about this. God doing a choir in this area community choir. We're going to do all of that in this year. So uh, pray for us. We be praying
2: for you. God bless you. We love you. Thank you. Peace and blessings.